Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to see all your smiling faces this morning. Awesome. Praise God. I want to invite you to turn with me in your copy of the Scripture. We're going to go two places today as we talk about this subject of the sacrifice of servanthood. The sacrifice of servanthood. Last week in our message, we talked about Joshua. We discussed the idea of being a servant. And you may remember part of that message. We classified it as three different types of servant ships. Uh, first was just basic servanthood. The next one was great servanthood. And then ultimate servanthood, where you were willing to even lay down your life for someone else. As I read through the Gospels, I understand that Jesus places a high priority on us having this mindset of being a servant. He said things like, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. Things like, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. He had several discussions with the disciples. He explained the importance of being a servant and putting other people above yourself. This idea of loving God and loving people. It's the great commandment. It's the thing that we understand as Jesus, the, the rich man came and, he, and they asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, what do you know? And he says, it's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, love your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. You place high importance on this. And it's not just something we do in word. It should also be something that we do with our actions. As we go to Matthew chapter 5, we understand that this particular passage of Scripture, starting in Matthew chapter 5 and going through Matthew chapter 7, deals with, and maybe your Bible lumps it into this thought process as the Sermon on the Mount. And there's a portion of this message that he gives that focuses on the idea of servanthood, even to those who would be your enemies, the sacrifice of servanthood. Let's pick up reading in verse 38. You have heard it, that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Father, today I pray that you would help the Word of God to be planted inside of our heart. Today, God, we want to hear from you. We want you to speak into us. I believe you've got a word for us this morning. And we thank you, God, and we praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were to look at the passage of Matthew 5 through Matthew 7, you would understand that there's a lot to, to digest in that 
passage of Scripture. I want us to focus on part, this particular little glimpse that we read today. I want us to look at the first part of this for, for just a moment. That idea that if someone, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If, if someone comes and they want to sue you and, and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. These are typically mindsets and thought processes that don't sit well with us. So you mean to tell me that if someone comes up to me and slaps me in, in, in my face, that I'm supposed to just be okay with it and turn the other cheek so they can slap that one too? If they're wanting to sue me and take the shirt that's off my back, I'm supposed to give them my coat as well? And I don't know what times they were back then, Jesus, but that ain't happening today. I'm telling you, if somebody comes up and slaps me in the face, it's on like Donkey Kong. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and, and we're going to have at it, right? That, that's kind of our mindset, isn't it? That's kind of our thought process. Jesus is outlining here a mindset change that has to happen in the heart and in the life of believers to move us from a selfish attitude to a serving attitude. We have to acknowledge of ourselves that we in ourselves are selfish and it is against our very human nature, our sinful nature, to want to step out and to do something for someone else. We want to be selfish. And if somebody comes and slaps me in the face, how many of you know that's going to be, that's a mark that says, wait a minute, right? But Jesus says, turn the other one, turn the other cheek too. There's another thought process here. He says, if someone forces you to go a mile, go with them too. There was a law that was in place in the Scripture time that a Roman could come up to um, a Jew and they could make them carry their stuff or whatever it was for one mile. If you chose not to do that and you refused to do that, there would be punishment that would be forthcoming to you because you didn't do that. And so Jesus is saying this, when someone comes up to you and forcibly tells you to carry my stuff, go with me a mile, do the thing that I want you to do, even though you don't want to, go with them too. Man, that's a hard concept for us to grasp. But he sums it up in verses 43 and 44. Love your enemies. Serve people. Even the ones that don't like you. That is the sacrifice of servanthood. I find it hard in our society to accomplish this. We have difficulty serving our enemies and people we don't even know, much less people who are our enemies. We might serve a friend, we might serve a family member, but really nobody else. I'd like to take you to a passage of Scripture this morning that talks about the attitude of servanthood. And in fact, I have my eyes kind of open to this passage of Scripture this week. It's in Genesis chapter 24, and it might be the greatest act of servanthood that's found in the Old Testament. 
I saw something different in this passage that I never noticed before, and it was because of someone who was willing, who was loving, and who was a servant who served. And because of that, it changed a girl named Rebecca's life forever. Let's go to Genesis chapter 24, verse 10. To kind of set up the story, Abraham has called his servant in, and he's asked him to go to, back to the home country to find a wife for his son Isaac. Abraham has traveled, if you'll go back to, if you went back to Genesis chapter 12, God gave Abraham a call and he told him to go to a different country. He told him to go to um, a land that I'm going to show you, a land that flows with milk and honey, the land I'm going to give you for your ancestors. It's the promise. All the things that God promised he was to go, he was to leave his nation. So Abraham's on a trek and he goes to that place. Isaac, um, back up a little bit, Sarah has died. Isaac is now looking for a wife. Abraham is looking, Abraham is looking for a wife for Isaac. He doesn't want him to take a wife from the Canaanite people. He wants him to go back to his people to get a wife from them. And so that sets up the story here in chapter 24 of Genesis. And in verse 10, it says, Then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram uh, Naharim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time when the women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, Lord God of Master Abraham, Make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin no man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they've had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring and weigh, weighing a, a becca and, and uh, two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. Then he asked, Whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? And she answered him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, born to Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder, as well as room for you to spend the night. 
Abram's servant is looking for a wife and he prays this prayer. God, um, let me, let someone come and offer me a drink and not only offer me a drink, but offer my camel something to drink. How many of you pray some prayers sometimes to, to relinquish jobs you don't want to do? Oh, come on. Thank you for being honest in the back. God bless you. I don't know that that was the situation here. I don't want to read into this. But there is something that I think we have to understand um, as a result of this. Because this would have been a huge thing that this servant asks. And you may have read that passage of Scripture and you may be like, what's the big deal? You you, You put water down for 10 camels. What's the big deal? When a camel is thirsty, do you know how many gallons of water he drinks? 30. 30 gallons of water per camel each. That is 300 gallons of water. 300 gallons of water. I have a five gallon container of water right here this morning. Ooh. Now, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say Rebecca probably didn't care anything that was probably over this. This is pretty heavy. When we did our walk for water, we had them come in and and they gave us five gallons because that's all that the people could carry from point A to point B. And so this would have been probably about the size, five gallons of water um, that she would be able to draw from the well. There's a couple things that I want us to understand here, and, and that's this. Um, number one is there were two different kinds of wells in that day. There's this kind that we're going to put on the screen for you, and most likely as you read scriptures, read the text, this is the kind of well that she would have dealt with. There's another kind of well that looks like this, and it's a staircase well where you have to walk down the steps and go down and get the water, walk right back up the steps with the water. I'm going to ask for some help. Uh, Ruby, would you come and help me for just a minute? Ruby's a a young lady, and and I think that this would be something that she could do. Here's what I want you to do, Miss Ruby. I want you to take this five-gallon thing of water. Got it? And I want you to do one lap with it. Can you do that? Okay. All right. While she's doing that, I want you to all remember something. If she starts to struggle, somebody just help her. It won't break, I I don't think. It'll be okay. She's walking around with that um, thing of water, and and yeah, that's probably pretty heavy, and uh, it probably weighs, I have no idea what it weighs, but I didn't measure it before I came in, but it's pretty heavy. Now, you've walked around once, right? And so are your arms feeling a little bit tired, a little bit heavy? Okay, that was one time. Okay. Now I want us to do a little. Thank you, Ruby. Um, I want us to do a little bit of math today for just a moment. Okay. You've got thirty camels. I'm sorry. You got ten camels. Thirty camels would be crazy. You got ten camels, and each one of them fills to the capacity of about thirty gallons of water, which means that there are three hundred gallons of water that takes to fill up those camels. If Rebecca had a five-gallon jug, which that was very heavy, would you attest to that? If Rebecca has a five-gallon jug at 300 gallons of water needed, it's going to take her 60 times. Did you, did you get that? 
I think we read through that story and we miss that part of it, that act of servanthood. It's going to take her 60 times to fill up that jar to water all of those camels. Now, you remember when I said a job that you didn't want to do? And here's a guy who looks and he watches this young lady fill these, this, these trough so that these camels can drink. And what gets me is this. She is doing this for someone she doesn't even know. Has no idea who this servant is. Has no idea what his mission is. All that she knows is there was a guy that it was at the well. He had 10 camels. And it looked like this was an opportunity for her to help. And so she took advantage with the heart of a servant. This epitomizes Jesus' attitude and the attitude that he's talking about here in Matthew chapter 5. It also epitomizes the attitude that he's talking about in Mark chapter 10 when he says the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve. It epitomizes the the Matthew 20 chapter when he says the greatest among you will be the servant of all. Because of Rebecca's heart and because of Rebecca's life and because of her attitude, do you know what that gained her? Because she had a servant mentality, a sacrificial servant mentality, it gained her entrance to the promise because of her servant attitude. So my question today is this thought. Why do we struggle with this concept of sacrificially serving? Why do we struggle with this idea that we can only love those who love us and those who are are mean to us forget? Well, one thing I think is true with that is this. I think there's an apathy that is in our country today and in our culture. In other words, it says this. Apathy means I don't care. I don't care. Now, you may not be saying that this morning. You say, well, I would never say that. That wouldn't be something that would be part of my vocabulary. But can I be honest? Sometimes we display it with our actions, even though we may not say it with our lips. We get so caught up in us, this idea of, of selfishness that we talked about. We get so caught up in our schedule. Man, I've just got, I've got to get off to work. I have to get the groceries. I've got to get to the ball field. I've got to make or pick up dinner. I've got to mow the lawn. I've got to be all of this done by 8 o'clock because my favorite TV show comes on. Right? And it becomes all about us. Rebecca could have got water and thought, I'm not going to give that guy. Look at all those camels. You're crazy. You know how much time and energy that's going to take for me to get 60 times to go down and get water from this well, about 60 times to pull it up and feed these camels. Do you know how crazy that is? We went to Argentina on a missions trip, and I had the privilege of taking concrete. And when these weren't five gallon buckets, they were like maybe one to two gallon buckets, would you say? And hoisting that up two flights of stairs. Now a well is pretty deep. Usually wells run pretty deep. And, and to take that five gallon going down is pretty easy. Woo! 
but coming up with five gallons, could you imagine, Ruby, could you imagine putting that on a rope and hoisting that up from the bottom of a well? That would be difficult. Five gallons, man, that's strong. And I'm not going to do that. I got things to do. That's too difficult. What if she would have had that mentality? If she did, she would have missed out on the blessing. She would have missed out on the promise. And you might be sitting here saying, well, that was God's plan for her. That was what God wanted to do in her life. That was what God predestined for her to do. Yes, that is true, and I would agree with that. You're right. It was God's plan. But He also gives us free will to refuse in that process. And can I tell you, I think this is why many believers are stuck today is because they have circumvented God's plan for their own will. The apathy that they have for what God wants them to do and what the things that they want to do are completely opposite and they choose this path instead of this one. That's why many Christians today are stuck where they are in their walk with God. God has a plan for their life, but because they've refused because of one reason or another, and they find themselves in a spiritual rut instead of moving forward to the promise that God has for their life. I think this is an attitude that happens subtly. I think it can happen over time. And sometimes I think we can even not even realize we have it. What do you do when that person that stops you in your day and wants you to listen because they're going through something. And they're just asking for your time. What do we do about the person who comes, and we're going to talk about this in, in a minute, because Jesus was not only talking about those who, who you get along with, but also the people you didn't know, but he's also talking about those who hurt you, those who want to do wrong by you. What do you do when those moments come? Do you pass by and, and think, man, if I, if I can just get to that new self-checkout line at Walmart, I can get out of here quick, man. Bing, 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 I'm done. And let's get, move. If I close my eyes and I just keep tunnel vision, I won't see the world around me. And I just focus on me and I focus on what I've got to do. And how many of you do that? And, and I'm using Walmart as an example because it's a great one. We get there and we like, okay, well, and we walk back and forth through the aisles and we kind of like, okay, I need this, I need that. And we, we don't make eye contact, right? If I don't make eye contact with anybody, nobody will approach me. And so we walk through like this. And not making eye contact with anybody. Why? Because we don't want to be bothered. And what that looks like is the fact that you're missing out maybe on a divine appointment that God has for your life. When you could be a sacrificial servant and touch the life of somebody that you might not even know. But you're giving an opportunity to bless them and to tell them about the Lord and show the love of Christ in your life. And how many times, how many opportunities do we just pass by every day? Rebecca, this was just like any other day. She could have went to the well just like any other day and drawn water and went home. But she had her eyes open to what was in front of her. And because she did, she didn't miss out on the blessing. The second thing that I think why we struggle with this, and this is my final point today, I only have two. And I think it's because of past wounds. I think we struggle with this because of past wounds. 
that person who yells at you because you cut them in line accidentally, or maybe you didn't play their child long enough at the last game, or, or perhaps they're having a really bad day, and you get the brunt of all that. And over time, when we allow all those things to happen, and, and the wounds that appear, what happens is we callous ourselves against hurt by staying busy with our focus on what we need to do and our focus about what we want to have happen. And when we get hurt like this, this is what we do. And this is a metaphor, okay? We dig pits and we put up walls. We dig pits and we put up walls because those are defense mechanisms. We, we, we get in def defense mode. Man, I've been hurt. I'm not going to let you do that to me again. I think this is part of the very thing that Jesus is warning about us about here in Matthew chapter 5. If you allow those things to affect you and to change your attitude and your heart, it will harden your heart and you will become so inward focused that you miss the responsibilities and opportunities that are right in front of you. I'm going to say that again because it's important. If you allow things to happen in your life, if you allow those things to affect you and to change your attitude and your heart, it will harden your heart and you will become so inward focused that you will completely miss all of the opportunities and responsibilities that are placed right in front of you. We get skeptical and tentative to step out in the situations of servanthood. We get skeptical and tentative to step out in situations of love, partly because of past issues and past hurts, and it leaves both the one who is needing you and you as casualties. Can I just say there is such reward in touching the lives of other people? When you're able to serve one another, to show compassion, to open your heart, to see God move, and the Holy Spirit to do in them what He is amazing things through you, man, that's one of the most amazing, most rewarding things of life. We don't serve other people and allow the hurt, when we don't serve other people and allow the hurt and pain of past wounds to prohibit us from doing so, when we don't serve others, we, we don't have the mindset that Christ is talking about here. Now, as we talked about earlier, you would probably get really upset if someone walked up to you and smacked you in your right cheek. You would probably be hurt if someone gave you a lawsuit and they sued you for everything you had and even took the shirt that was off your back. You'd be put out if someone made you, forced you to do something that you didn't want to do. Can I tell you, as I read Matthew chapter 5, those are the very instances that Jesus is talking about here. About going the extra mile. Doing the extra sacrifice. Putting yourself out there the extra time. Why do we do that? Because people are important to the Lord. People are important to the Lord. If you've been hurt, I'm sorry. If you've had your cheek slapped, metaphorically maybe, if it's happened literally, I'm really sorry. But sometimes I would rather have somebody smack me in the cheek than say things that they've said or do things that they've done. 
And for some of you, you have experienced that kind of pain and it has caused you to struggle with this idea of sacrificially serving other people because you can't get past it because the thought process is they're just going to do it again. It's just going to happen again. And as I read scripture, that's exactly what Jesus tells you is going, could happen. But to do it anyway. If someone slaps you in your right cheek, what's he say? Give him an opportunity to hit the left one too. If someone sues you and wants to take the shirt off your back, give him the coat too. If someone comes to you and they force you to do something you don't want to do and they make you go a mile, walk a mile in their shoes, walk too. That's the mentality of a sacrificial servant that Jesus is talking about. I am convinced of this church that in these last days, if we will love like if we'll love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we will love sacrificially like Jesus tells us to, this world will be turned upside down with the gospel message of Jesus Christ because they will see Jesus in us. That's sacrificial servanthood. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, today. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of serving you. As with those who I stand before today, I'm sure every one of the, us, including myself, would be able to talk about times that we've blown it, talk about times that we were so caught up with us, talk about times when we allowed hurt and pain and things to cause us to dig pits and put up walls and make our hearts calloused and hard so that we wouldn't do anything else to put ourselves out there to be offended or hurt again. But God, today, I am also knowing that, Lord, that's not the way you intended it to be. Lord, you wanted us to serve people, to love not only those who are lovable, but God, even those who would be our enemy. God, today I pray that you would help us, Holy Spirit, to speak to us, Lord. And maybe there's some things in our life today, Lord, that we need to look at, to do an introspection of. So Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would do that in this moment. You're here this morning, your head's bowed, eyes are closed. You're here this morning and you would say, Pastor Joe, I, I'm struggling with this idea of sacrifice, the sacrifice of servanthood. Those were just two of the things that struggle, but I think they're probably the most common. And you'd be honest with yourself and you'd be honest with God this morning and you say, you know what, I've kind of gone through a life that of, with an attitude of apathy. I'm guilty of not looking or focusing on others. I just, it's just kind of been about me. I've kind of got tunnel vision. I just want to do what I want to do. I don't want to cause any rifts. I don't want to cause anything. I just want to do what I got to do and get out. I want to do what I got to do and move forward. And in the midst of that, I've kind of become tunnel vision. And I've missed it. And today, I, I want to just make a commitment before the Lord that says, God, I'm, I'm, I want you to break that 
apathy in my life, and I want you to help me to have spiritual eyes to see. If that's you this morning, would you slip up your hand to the Lord today? That's me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Praise you, Jesus. Maybe you're here today, and man, you've been hurt. You've got scars and, and wounds that run deep. Things have hurt you. People have hurt you. And it's caused you to kind of put your defense mechanisms up and your walls up. And because you do that, this idea of sacrifice doesn't happen because you're allowing your heart to be hardened because and calloused because of all of the things because you think if I can just build up enough callousness if I can make it hard then the wounds won't hurt anymore and that's not the way it works and you would the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart and he's wanting you to submit to him and Allow yourself to be put underneath His care and His wing and allow the salve of His forgiveness and His mercy and His love to nurture and to grow you in the midst of those pains. And to lo- He's the only one that can make your scars go away. Love is the only thing that will do that. Does that mean I might get hurt again? Well, you might. Doesn't mean that I, I, I'm not going to have to go through any more suffering and pain with this. I can't tell you that. But one thing I can tell you is this if you'll be willing to put yourself out there, God is going to be faithful. There's one thing I know about Him is that He is faithful to do above and beyond what you think you can even do, to go above and beyond your hurt and your pain, and to bring healing to that. And you be honest with yourself and with God today and you say, Pastor, I've got some healing that I need done from past wounds because I want to be a sacrificial servant that touches the lives of people for the Lord. If that's you, would you slip up your hand today? Yes. 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 Hands all over the sanctuary. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to pray this morning. And as we do, I want to encourage you. If you are someone who raised their hand because, man, you've had this apathetic thought process, or maybe, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know that that's you and you've been dealing with it. As we pray, I just want you to ask God to forgive you of that. I want you to ask the Lord to open up your spiritual eyes so that you can see things around you that maybe you've never seen before. Give Holy Spirit permission to speak into your life. If you're here this morning and and as we pray, you are someone who has been hurt, you've been wounded, would you just lay that experience before the Lord? And I want you to start with this. I forgive and then name. I forgive. Some of you may have a longer list than others, but I forgive. And as you forgive, I'm going to ask the Lord to replace that hurt with love. I'm going to ask God to replace that bitterness 
with an anointing that comes from Him, that you'll be able to well up inside of you, that those walls will be able to crack and be dispersed, that you'll climb up out of that pit. Hallelujah. And God will move in your life. So as we pray, if you fit one of those, I want you to pray that prayer as we pray together. Dear Jesus, I thank you, Lord, today. I thank you, Lord, for your words. The word of God is a lamp to our feet. It's light to our path. It helps us to grow. And God, today, that challenge that your word has given us is about a sacrificial servant. God, today, I pray right now, there are those here today who are struggling, God, with their own focus and their own schedules. They just keep going. Everything's tunnel vision. God, we don't engage with the world around us. We're just so enamored by us and what we have to do and what goes on with us and the things that happen that we just forget to even look for people that you want us to minister to. We don't have time to listen. We don't have time to to, uh, to come alongside. We don't have time to do those things. God, I pray that you would help us to get rid of that selfish attitude today and help us to see things the way you see. Give us new eyes, God. New spiritual eyes, God, today to see. God, there are those here today who are, who are dealing with wounds. They're dealing with hurt. God, today I pray that, uh, that you would just come alongside of them and, and bring a, a healing God to that wound. Lord, as they practice forgiveness even now in this prayer, God, I pray that the forgiveness power of Jesus Christ would flood their heart, that grace and love and mercy would flow into their spirit, God, today, and that they would sense and feel you, Lord, in such a powerful way right now. God, lay down their burdens, lay down their hurt. And God, may walls crack down. God, may we dig up out of the, we come up out of the pits that we're in. God, may the hardness of our heart begin to soften and to break. And may we see people in a mission set mindset that we have a world to reach for Jesus. We've got people that we need to share. And I don't have time to be consumed just about me because I've got to be sacrificial. I've got to be servant-like. I've got to move forward and to see things happen in this because time is short. God, today I pray that you would mend those wounds, put salve on the hearts of people, God, today. That there would be a, a miracle of healing that takes place starting this morning. And it would be a progressive thing that just continues. Help us to be willing to put ourselves out there for the cause of the kingdom. We praise you and we thank you today. Give us a wonderful week in the Lord. Put people in our path that we can serve, that we can speak life to, that we can show Jesus to. We thank you, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. amen.